You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. simply to give them a meal. He was about to teach them. He used that to get their attention so that he could teach them. And he could teach us. What does Jesus want to teach us today? That it is he who is all sufficient. He is the all sufficient one. It is he and only he that satisfies our souls. And he is the only giver of eternal life. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that Jesus is the only one that can truly fulfill you. In this world, there are many things that will try to fulfill you. Relationships, jobs, and material items are all things that can fight for your attention. But in all reality, Jesus is the only one who can provide peace and joy. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Work of God. You are John 6, we're going to be specifically in verses 22 through 29. John 6, we're going to look at verses 22 through 29 today. So if you've turned there and you found your place, I'm going to read aloud if you would like to follow along silently, please. John 6, beginning in verse 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. How many of you have ever bitten into cotton candy and wondered where it went. Right? You get this great big old gooey mess of cotton candy, and you go, oh, look, and you go, hum, and poof, it's gone. It dissolves instantly. It's gone. There's no substance. There's no meat. Nothing left but a sweet taste that fades quickly away. So you take another bite, and pretty soon it's all gone, and the only thing you have left is a red mouth and a sugar rush which eventually fades away too. 
See, eating cotton candy is laboring for something of this world, something that does not last. We labor for things of the world. We labor for material things. We labor for physical things. But the truth is, when we get them, when we receive them, there's no substance in them, is there? Excitement quickly fades. We're left empty. Well, in today's verses, Jesus, who is our master, teaches, teaches the multitude this very thing. He tells the people that laboring for something in this world, regardless of what it is, will never get you anywhere, especially towards eternal things. When we labor for things of this world, and he tells them that the material things, which we value so, so much, are actually perishing right before our eyes. The things that we value, the things that we think are so important, those material things that we have to have, they're perishing. He says that they will perish, but they're perishing even now, right before our eyes. Jesus tells the multitude that these material things are perishing, and any labor you do to get those things is basically a waste of time. It's a waste of time when you think of the eternal. But then Jesus tells the crowd that there is one work, and only one work. He says, by doing this one thing, you can obtain eternal life. The work that Jesus is speaking of is the work of God that he talks about today. See, Jesus' ministry was one of grace and truth. You can find that in John 1, 17. We study it. And in grace, our Lord fed the hungry people. As they gathered on the mountain, Jesus fed them. He multiplied the loaves. He multiplied the fishes. He gave them what they needed. He gave them what they were seeking. He fed them. The people gathered there that day saw a marvelous miracle. They were witnesses to a fantastic miracle as at least 5,000 were fed. They call it the feeding of the 5,000 because back in those days, only men were counted. We don't know how many women and children were there. So he fed miraculously all these people that had gathered before them because he had compassion on them. Remember, Jesus is the master teacher. We talked about that last week. He is the master teacher. And he uses this miracle now to teach them and preach a sermon. And the sermon leads to what is called the bread of life. And we'll get that next week. It's called the bread of life sermon. And Jesus is leading up to that as he teaches this message. He has something that he wants them to know. He has something that he wants them to glean from. But we find in these words an interpretation, really, of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It opens our eyes to what the miracle really means. The reality is this. Jesus did not feed the 5,000 simply to give them a meal. He was about to teach them. He used that to get their attention so that he could teach them, and he could teach us. What does Jesus want to teach us today? That it is he who is all-sufficient. He is the all-sufficient one. It is he and only he that satisfies our souls. And he is the only giver of eternal life. And it can be found nowhere else. We said in grace Jesus fed the people, but in truth, 
He needed to teach them God's word. Because Jesus knew what was more important, food or God's word. Jesus knew what was more important. Oh, yeah, they wanted food. And they didn't want the truth. And as we continue, as we continue on in chapter 6, we're going to find that a huge majority of these people leave. They abandon Jesus when he really gives them the truth. When Jesus spoke the truth, he lost people. Why? Well, Tom, Tom Cruise said it best. You can't handle the truth. People can't handle the truth. Somebody said the truth hurts. You're right. Truth hurts. Truth cuts to a quick. People don't want to hear that they need God. You don't want to hear that you're sinners. You don't want to hear the need for repentance. You want to hear how great you're doing and how wonderful you are. You want to be puffed up and built up in your own steam, in your own stead. You want to say, yeah, I'm okay, we're okay. Yeah, well, that's not the truth. And if you came here looking for sugar-coated candy, I have some cotton candy I can give to you. I really don't, but, but that's about all that you're going to get. Last week, remember, the disciples got a pop quiz. They did so-so. They did obey the Lord, and they got into the boat, and they rowed to the other sea, the other side, to Capernaum. They got caught in a storm. But they did make it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in one piece, but only after Jesus arrived and they received him willingly in the boat. He calmed the storm. And even though Peter almost drowned, they did get to their destination. It had been a day full of miracles. I imagine the disciples' minds were blown. I imagine they were like, wow. They saw 5,000 people get fed. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw one of their own, Peter, get out of the boat and walk on water also. They saw Jesus come to them and calm the storm as he got into the boat. And the next thing they knew, boom, they were at land, right where they were supposed to be in the midst of the storm. But as we begin today's verses, as we begin today's verses, the crowd wakes up to a mystery. They wake up to a mystery. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Look at verses 22 and 24. On the following day, now they had the miracle of the 5,000. They did all those things. They got in the boat and rowed over there, and all that stuff happened. Now, on the following day, when the people were, who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat, but he was with his disciples, and Jesus had gone away alone, However, the boats came from Siberias near the place where they ate the bread that the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. The crowd woke up. Now they saw the disciples row away. They watched them as they went out in their storm. They saw Jesus go up to the mountains to pray. But now Jesus was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find him anywhere. They didn't know where he was. There was no evidence that he had gotten into another boat. Other boats had come and gone from Tiberias, and Jesus wasn't on them. No Jesus. No Jesus. So they get into the boats, and they go to Capernaum to look for him. They were seeking Jesus. And this is a good thing, right? Depends why they're seeking him. Depends the reason they're seeking him, whether it's a good thing or not. We'll talk about that in a minute. See, 
One thing I love about Jesus, he was never impressed with crowds. Jesus was never impressed with a crowd. Why? Because he knew their motives. He knew that their motives weren't pure. And he knew they weren't following him for the right reasons. He knew that they were following him for the wrong reasons. They were seeking him for the wrong reasons. These same people who yesterday wanted to make him king by force were following him because he had given them something to eat. They were following him for the wrong reason. So the, five, the crowd finally gets to Capernaum and they find Jesus. And so I'm like, hey man, where you been? How'd you get here? Look at verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come from? Or how did you come here? I love Jesus' answer. He could have easily said, well, I walked. I walked across the sea. In fact, I caught up to the boat, and they put me in. And even one of my disciples came out and walked along with me. He could have said that. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I calmed the storm while I was going on there, too. Could have said that, but he didn't. Jesus doesn't answer their question about him. Instead, he wants to deal with them. He wants to deal with them. In other words, Jesus is saying, never mind why I'm here. Why are you here? What do you want? What do you want? Why are you here? They tell him in verse 26, Jesus answered him and said, Moses, surely I say to you. Now, if you have the original King James, it says, verily, verily. Moses, surely I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Bottom line, they were hungry. They saw an easy meal. Hang around this guy. We'll get some food. This is pretty good. This is pretty neat. Listen to what Gusick said about this. This is pretty cool. Quote, often we can learn more from understanding the reason we ask God a question than the reason or the answer itself. I like that. Like I said, Jesus wasn't impressed with crowds. Crowds never impressed him. He knows what's in your heart. He knew the people who started to follow him saw the miracles. He knew their motives were bad. And once again, they're thinking physically, feed us, feed us. They're like the giant plant in the window. Feed me, Seymour. They wanted food. That's all they wanted. They wanted to be fed. Boy, that fell on deaf ears. Nobody saw a little shop of horrors. Holy mackerel. I thought I was losing it up here, guys. My gosh, you know. This is good stuff. Come on. No, that's okay. I digress. They wanted food. They wanted things to fill their bellies. They wanted that kind of stuff. But Jesus is always thinking spiritually. He's always thinking spiritually. Look at verse 27. Jesus continues and says, Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jesus now gets right to the point. Enough of this messing around, guys. It's not about the loaves and fishes. Let's get one thing clear. It's not about the loaves and fishes. They're going to perish. They're material things. They're going to go away. You walked a long way to get to me. You came all the way across the Sea of Galilee for one reason and one reason only, because your bellies are empty. That's why you came to me. You labor for food, and yet you are still in one. Guess what? Tomorrow, you'll be laboring for more food, and you'll still be in one. The day after that, you'll be laboring for more food, and you'll still be in one. Yes, you will labor once again for that which sustains life, 
physical life. Physical life. Jesus is talking eternal life. Jesus wants to bring them into the eternal picture. Jesus is talking about eternal life. He's speaking spiritually now. He pointed out there are two kinds of food. Food for the body, which is necessary. But according to Jesus, there's more important food. Food for the spirit, which Jesus says, this is essential. This endures to everlasting life. It endures forever. This is the food that Jesus is talking about. The food that endures. Really interesting here. Very, very interesting passage in the prophet Isaiah that deals with this topic. I'm going to turn to Isaiah 55. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but you can. I'm going to turn to Isaiah 55. And I'm basically going to read verses 1 to 3 in Isaiah 55. And it's pretty interesting to me, anyhow, that in my New King James Version, it gives a title to each section. And the title of this section says, An Invitation to the Abundant Life. I like that. Listen to what the prophet is saying through the Spirit. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk, without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, for your wages, for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Notice the capital M. God is speaking. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. In verse 1, God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, makes an invitation. Come and be fed. Come and be fed. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you don't have to have money. You just come by and eat. Come by wine without money. Milk without money. It's an invitation of everyone. It's an invitation open to everyone, but it's an invitation to those who are thirsty. All who are thirsty. All who are weak, come to the fountain. All who are thirsty. This is what Jesus is calling you out now. All who are thirsty. All who are thirsty. He's saying, come and eat. It's an invitation. And only those who thirst will come to these waters. If you aren't thirsty for what the Lord has and can give you, you will never come to these waters. You will never come to these waters. Jesus said... In the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what will happen? They will be filled. They will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And they will be filled. Come to these waters. Many, many people think that when Jesus cried out at the great banquet, at the great feast, in John 7, 37, when he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He was having this thought in his mind. He was having the prophet Isaiah in his mind. And here John says that Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit. We'll study that in a while. That's in John 7. He says, come. If you don't have money, come. Come by and eat. Those who thirst, answer the Lord's invitation. Are you thirsty for righteousness today? You must be thirsty for righteousness today or you're here. You're here. I hope that's why you're here, because you're thirsty for righteousness. I hope that's what brought you here today. 
You don't need any money. Why? Because money won't do you any good. Because you can't buy what God is selling. You can't purchase salvation, which God is giving freely. They simply can bring their trust and faith and receive what God wants to give them. Then God asked them, to, why do you spend money for that that doesn't satisfy? Think about it. This is a pretty relevant question. Pretty well, relevant question. Look at our time. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know about you guys. I can only speak for myself, but I pour out an awful lot of money on things that don't satisfy. Things that fade away fast. Things that just go on mine. I can think of one that sits in my room, my living room. It's about this big. A picture comes on there. I spent a lot of money for that, and it never satisfies. But yet I have it sitting there, and it never satisfies me. And then I have to pay for it. I grew up, 3, 6, 10, and fuzzy 12 were free. Well, you had fuzzy 12 too, didn't you? Yeah. They were free. I didn't have to pay for them. Now i got to pay for all these channels. And I, you could ask Beatrice. She's not here, but you could ask her. I sit there clicking through. This is garbage. This is garbage. What garbage? What garbage? I can't believe all this garbage on TV. This is terrible. And I go through about 957,000 channels, and there's absolutely nothing to watch. Oh, I think I'll watch the ball game. Click. Okay, I'm watching the ball game. All of a sudden, commercial, I'm like, what? And i got to turn that off, too. Spending money on things that don't satisfy. And that's what God is saying. We're spending money on things that don't satisfy. Not the way the Lord can satisfy. The only person that can satisfy your soul is Jesus Christ. He satisfies our soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. He wants to pour out that blessing upon your soul and bless you beyond belief. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And the Lord says, listen diligent to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. And here is an invitation that is quite clear. The offer is made, the provision is made, and everything is available, but we have to do several things. First of all, we have to listen diligently. We have to listen diligently. The satisfaction God promises doesn't come to those who don't listen. If you're not a listener, you're in trouble. Those who listen diligently, why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You need to be able to listen. Listen to the still, small voice. And it takes time. It takes patience and attendance. It takes effort to listen diligently. And unfortunately... For some of us, this isn't a strong point. We don't listen very well. When someone's talking to you, you're always conjuring up the next thing you're going to come back at them with. Or you talk so much that nobody can get a word in edgewise. How's God going to listen to you? You are The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.